Welcome to Story Hooked, the podcast where we cast our line into the world of reading in search of books that make us happy. Ready to dive in? Let's get you hooked on a new book. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Story Hooked. My name is Lynette. I am your host, and today I am with, you know what I'm going to say. I say it every time. I'm so starstruck. I am here with Ava Reed. Ava, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me on. For sure. For sure. I. It's so funny. Every time an author comes on, I just say that I'm starstruck because it is a fact. I'm just honored to have you on here and your fans are excited to hear from you. And so we just have just a few questions that they want to ask you that we're going to go over. But first, for our listeners, I want to introduce Ava, Ava Reed to you. Ava Reed is the number one New York Times bestselling author of A Study in Drowning and Other Gothic Fantasies. After obtaining her degree in political science from Barnard College, she moved to Palo Alto. Am I saying that right? Yes. Palo Alto, where she continues to haunt university libraries. Ooh, spooky. That, that fits you so well. That like sounds like something right out of your books. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Okay, Ava. So first question I always ask is, and this is one of my favorite questions to ask. It's so fun is could you just tell us a little bit about your author journey? How did you start writing? Is it something you always wanted to do? Or just tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are. Yeah, so I think, and this is really common, I think with a lot of people in my age group, the kind of like cusp between like millennial and Gen Z is like, Uh I kind of grew up on the internet. So my first (laughs) writing was like, on fanfiction.net writing warrior cats fan fiction when I was like 11 yes oh my gosh that is love those books so much um those were so formative so that was like my first kind of book that I read where I was like oh I want to do something like this I want to write um so yeah and then I wrote lots and lots of fan fiction hunger games fan fiction when I was in high school um oh my gosh yes yeah I was such a big Hunger Games fan I had a huge Hunger Games blog on Tumblr which is kind of embarrassing but that's awesome are you kidding me that's amazing I love hearing this kind of stuff okay that's awesome (laughs) so you wrote a lot of fan fiction yes very common with people in my age group I think right oh it's so true okay is your fan fiction is your stuff still on there are you like that will never see the light of day scrub the internet well I had to scrub the internet of some like of my Hunger Games fan fiction because so you know the career tributes the Hunger Games like Cato and Clove I was like obsessed with them and like I would write all my fan fiction about them like humanizing them because they were like my like morally gray like villain characters and I love them and like People are always trying to call me out for that. And I was like, no, you don't That's understand. It. <laughs> you don't get it. They are you meant to be. <laughs> I think that would be amazing. I mean, I know you scrubbed the internet of your stuff, but I would I would just love to just like read some of that. I don't know if it will ever see the light of day, but someday I would love to read I don't that. even. Yeah, I don't even think I have it anywhere because it was so long ago. But <sighs> who knows? Maybe it's a month some Maybe you'll write some- <laughs> Maybe it's on a hard drive. Maybe you write some more. You would be amazing. I would totally read that. <laughs> that is so cool that you did that. I love that. So that's how you started. Yeah. How about what? Um, what is your first your debut? Was your debut novel The Wolf in the Woodsman? Yes. And that was okay. So when did? Oh yeah. Go ahead. 
that was at, yeah that was in 2021 which feels like a million years ago now um <laughs> totally but does. yeah I wrote that when I was in college um and then I was part of a program which actually doesn't exist anymore but it's called Pitch Wars and it's like a mentorship program where you get oh, wow, paired yeah. with a published author and they kind of help you revise your manuscript and guide you through like the querying process um so that's oh, really wow. how I got published was through this um amazing program and that's so cool yeah. why is it do you know why it's not a thing anymore or is it just um I think because Elon destroyed Twitter to be honest because like okay, that is yeah oh. <laughs> because oh. all, the, all the writing community stuff used to be on Twitter and now it's like okay yeah that makes me so enraged <laughs> what like, I don't no. know if it's actually actually the reason but I feel like that played a part in it because like Twitter is literally I mean I haven't had a Twitter account in years but I feel like it's basically unusable now all right okay that is so I mean I, I, I feel like I blame I blame him for a lot of my problems so I'm okay throwing that on him too <laughs> I mean I think that that's fair like <laughs> right I'm like okay great you just started pitch wars um hopefully there are some other like querying things for authors or if you yeah I think Adrienne Young has like a big she's like starting a mentorship program I think she's great she's always having these kind of like right uh, like mentorship things and like she gives a lot of advice to authors and stuff um that's way cool yeah I love that that's so cool okay so what was that process like with querying and getting your first book out there and then of course a Study in Drowning, which is number one New York Times bestseller. It's on. <laughs> that is amazing. Tell me about how that felt because that's your second. It's my no, third book, actually. No, third. Oh, that's right. Juniper and Thorn, right? Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. Tell me, what was that process like and how do you feel about that? Is that just so amazing? It's it's weird, you know, because – and I think I said this in my post is like there is this kind of commonly believed aphorism in publishing that like you really only get one shot and if your debut doesn't you know make it then you're just screwed and you'll never have a career and like yeah it's a very yeah it's it's something that like a lot of authors really feel and like I I understand that and I definitely felt that I mean my book came out during my debut came out during COVID um so it was just a very rough it was not a great time to debut and um, I had a lot of issues with like my former publisher for my first two books. Like we just didn't kind of see eye to eye and like it Mm. was just not a good fit like editorially. And so I didn't have like (laughs) the greatest experience publishing those two books. Um, And I kind of felt like I just needed to do something different and just, I, so I wrote a YA book um, <laughs> after right after having my two adult books, and right. I never ever really expected it to be like to achieve that kind of like that status. Um, right. Obviously, it's still you know very soon. It's only been out for like two weeks, um, which seems again crazy, but <laughs> yeah, it's that is it's, crazy. Two weeks, two weeks. That is just. Oh my goodness. Like what an amazing, crazy journey though. Like to just, to get there. And especially like you were saying, people saying, oh, if this is what happens to you, like you're kind of done for. And now you're over here being like, well, <laughs> well, so what? <laughs> here I am. I, that is so awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, that is so think, crazy. Yeah, go ahead. I think the majority of, I mean, maybe not the majority, but so many authors who are like very successful did not like pop off with their debuts. And, you know, the book that launched their careers was like their third or fourth book. V. Schwab, I think, has like talked about how, you know, it was yeah. like her fourth book that ended up kind of launching her career. Um, right. And I feel like I've had a similar experience. I left my first agent, like I left my first publisher and like I just right. kind of had to get myself down a totally different track in order to, you know, right. have this positive experience with my career. Right. I'm so glad that this has been positive and been a good thing because it is, I, I mean, I've got a soft spot for Wolf in the Woodsman because I started reading that right when I started Bookstagram. And I, it just has like a really tender place in my heart because I really, really, really enjoyed it. And so hearing like the background of how that kind of went down is like, wow, that's so interesting to know. And I'm so glad that you have this positive experience with the study in drowning because once again, that one is also so good. I mean, I could just talk about that all day, but we will let, we, we, we will get there. We will talk about study and drowning really soon, but I've just got a few more questions before we jump in there. Um, so you've written... Um, like some really spooky romances. You've got like some just elements, the dark academia. What do you think drew you to writing this genre? And do you think you'll ever do anything different? Or is like this your happy place to be? Is this your vibe? Kind of what you're thinking? So I think Gothic will kind of always be my vibe. Like I was just, yeah. I was primed to write Gothic fiction because a series of unfortunate events was like, my like that was the first series that I really really loved when I was in elementary school I love those books so much I have always wanted to write something that feels like that and actually I got tagged in a TikTok the other day that said that A Study of Drowning gave them like a series of unfortunate event vibes and I was so happy to hear that I was like that is (laughs) the biggest compliment to me yeah like I made it yeah yeah, I just I love gothic fiction I love that it like celebrates the weirdness and darkness and kind of the unnerving aspects of life and I think it's a great genre to kind of explore you know abuse and trauma which are you know themes I've explored in pretty much all of my works especially the last two um yeah so I think this will always be like my my bread and butter um yeah you know to a to a greater lesser extent um right well you do you do a fantastic job with it so if this is what you want to keep doing I mean I'm like yeah you don't, you don't need my vote of support, but it's there. <laughs> you have it because you are killing it. It's so, it just fits your voice the way that you've like written. And I've, as I've read through your books, as you've just kind of seeing how you write, it just suits the style and the genre so well. So like if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? You're doing such a great job with it. I love it. What do you think? Um, so Drew, it, reading this series of unfortunate events kind of drew you into that. Is there anything else that made you be like, this is just where, this is where I'm meant to be? Yeah, I mean, my, one of my favorite books of all time is We Have Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson, which I think I read when I was like freshman in high school, maybe. And that was like so formative to me. And anyone mm-hmm. who's read Gina Thorne can like probably very clearly see how much of an influence that book had on it. Um, yeah. I love Shirley Jackson, love Mary Shelley. This is, these are always just kind of the most influential books to me and kind of marrying that with dark academia just makes so much sense. Um. Yeah. 
No, totally. They totally fit each other. And I, I think that I love, I love asking authors this question because a lot of the ones that kind of talk about these are the books that got me into reading or that I just loved, you just see the the connections of like, that makes mm-hmm. so much sense because I will feel the same way when I'm reading your books as I did when I'm reading series of Forged events. It's mm-hmm. like, Oh, you know, it's just that same <laughs> type of thing, you know? So I love, oh, I love asking that question. That's so awesome. Okay. Um, another thing that I love to ask is what challenges did you face or have you faced or you're currently facing with your author journey, which we kind of talked about a little bit. You were talking about how you were kind of struggling with, publisher, agent, are there any other things that were just kind of difficult for you, um, challenges you face as an author, and how did you overcome those? I mean, I would say that definitely the biggest challenge in my career has been writing the subject matter that I do choose to write about, especially with Juniper and Thorne, you know, writing a book that's very, like, unflinchingly about, like, child sexual abuse and incest and trauma, which, again, are all fixtures of the gothic genre and have been since the gothic genre was created right, so yeah, for sure you know i'm writing in very much in that tradition it's a gothic horror novel that's those are the kinds of things that i feel like you should expect when you open a book right. described as a gothic horror novel but yeah, it was hard to you know people had very strong reactions to that book i'll just say and mm-hmm. it was a definitely challenging book to kind of promote. Um, like I right. said, my publisher wasn't really like on board with it very much. Like they said that it was going to be really hard to sell and that like it probably wouldn't do very well. Um, so yeah, that was probably the most challenging thing to try and deal with. And I think that, right. you know, having been through that experience has taught me a lot about yeah. <laughs> how to I mean how ha- I think like I just have a more healthy relationship with like the reception of my books because that's one of the toughest things about being an author is just <laughs> the people will have every single opinion under the sun about your book and you know right yeah. all those opinions make you feel a lot of things about yourself and it oh my gosh is really it's a really hard thing to be able to kind of separate and and tune some of it out um yeah and yeah having been kind of through that experience i think that i'm a little better at that now right yeah, I mean, it feels like you have got all this experience through these um, these hard things that you went through and you've come out on the other side of it with these experiences that have helped you, but it still probably just sucked going through it, obviously. Like, it not great. Not, not a fun year. 2022 <laughs> not, was not a fun year. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. See, that is so, wow. You know, people will read these books and they'll be like, oh, I have all these opinions about it. It's like, do you even know what the <laughs> author went through to get here? Like, where do you, where are you getting this from? Yeah. That's just this background is so – that people just are not aware of. You know what I mean? And some people would even be aware of it and still be opinionated and all that stuff. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> fine. But I love that you've come out on the other side of it stronger and happier, it sounds like. Like, just yeah. in a better place. And now you're just like – 
Smooth sailing from here on out, right? No more challenges uh, in your future. Yeah, totally you got this. <laughs> never have any problems ever again because that's definitely yeah. how publishing works. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely how it works. No problems, no problems now. But still better. You're in a you're better place now. Definitely, that's good. Definitely, definitely better. That's good. Oh, that is so. Oh, that's so hard. Um, what would you say though? I say that I I do not understand that side of it. I only understand it as a reader, really. What do you think is like your favorite thing about being an author? What's the best side of it that you just love? I mean, just that I get to write. Like I love writing. I would do it even if nobody else ever <laughs> read what I wrote. It's, you know, it's an important part of my identity. It makes me feel good about myself to write, even if no one is reading it. You know, it wow. just being able to do what I love most is an incredible blessing. Yeah, for sure. I love that. I feel like sometimes maybe some authors that are writing, they feel like they're writing for not for themselves. You know what I mean? And why I love talking to authors about this is I can tell that you love it so much. You care so deeply that you're saying, hey, I write these books for me. And then they get published and help somebody else. Great. But (laughs) I'm writing this because it makes me happy. That is so awesome. I love that. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's, and it's hard. It's hard to balance these things, right? Because you do have to think about the market if you're going to traditionally publish a book. And for sure, you know, when your agent is sending it out to publishers, they have to be able to pitch it in a way that's going to make it sound, you know, appealing and worth buying. Right. And so it, it is like this kind of, yeah, you know, tension and sometimes struggle there. But Um, I think that the books that I've published have definitely been, (laughs) I don't feel, especially with Juniper, I don't feel like I compromised myself. Good job. Good. I love it. I love that it is, you write what you want to write and that I can feel the authenticity in your books. And that's something that I so appreciate, even with everything that you went through with people not being behind you and supporting you, which must've been so, oh man, that gets me fired up. But I love that. That's like, you're like, this is me. This is my authentic author voice and I'm not going to compromise that. That's so cool. I love that. Um, so I just want to talk about a study and drowning a little bit before we get to some listener questions. I just finished it. Right. And I bought myself a beautiful special edition because I (laughs) thought it was so good. I was like, you got I got the I got the Illumicrate one. It's so beautiful. I just got mine yesterday. You did. Oh, yeah. it's so beautiful, right? The pages on the side. I'm like, oh my gosh, because I had seen all the different editions and I was like, that one just called to me. I was like, I am getting that one. The, all the covers are beautiful. All of them are stunning. Yeah. Something about those sprayed edges with the pages are just like, oh, They're so beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah. So, beautiful. Um, so this book that you just barely came out with, you know, like you said, number one, number one New York Times bestseller, and it's not your debut, and you're like, take that, publishers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just kidding. Um, what was your inspiration for it? Because when I when I finished it, I just I just sat in my chair, and I was like – wow. I just, it just really hit those really deep themes that I was thinking about for like, I'm still thinking about it clearly. (laughs) I am like, I'm going to be thinking about this for a long time. And in my review, I was just like, I think that if people are like, oh, well this, 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 maybe I didn't like it. I'm like, I just maybe think they didn't understand 
what you were going for. And maybe, and I'm, I'm speaking this way as if I know everything. I, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know everything. I just felt like you were getting so many messages across, which was incredible in this story. There were so many threads and I was just like, maybe people are just, if they don't understand it, then that's why they wouldn't like it. Does that make sense? I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm I totally believe that about my books too. I'm like, you just You're like, get yes. it. You don't get my artistic genius. <laughs> you just don't understand the genius. Well, that's, I mean, I'm with you on that. I really, I really believe that. But tell us a little bit about your inspiration for it. What you wanted, what did you want your readers to get out of it? And why, why did you write it? What did you want from it? It's just, oh, it's just such a beautiful story. <laughs> yeah. So my inspiration for this book actually started with Shakespeare um, and specifically the Shakespeare authorship question, which or anti-Stratfordian theory, which is essentially the theory that Shakespeare was not the author of the majority of the works that are attributed to him. And this kind of started in the 19th century. And people were obviously, this is like a crack theory today and no one really believes it. But in like the 19th century, people were very committed to it. They were like, digging up graves to like look for clues and like creating like cipher machines to like try and find coded messages in his works because they were really convinced that like you know he was he was a fraud and a lot of these arguments were based in kind of classism the idea that someone of his social class couldn't possibly have you know written these very meaningful works um and I just thought that was It was fascinating on so many levels because I started to think like, okay, like what if Shakespeare actually was a fraud? And Shakespeare is such an important part of kind of Western cultural heritage and like, you know, English specifically like national identity. And like, what would that mean for a culture and for a people? And what would that mean on an individual level for someone who really loved Shakespeare? Like I really love Shakespeare. Um, Right. Yeah. So it kind of started with me wanting to grapple with that idea. And then it became a secondary world fantasy because I didn't want like to have I didn't want readers to come in having the baggage of like their own knowledge of Shakespeare the, to kind of color right. things because I wanted it to be totally. really about the feelings rather than like, you know, the, the meter yeah. in like his, you know, in his plays like that right. those little kind of details what was actually interesting to me about the question um yeah I invented this (laughs) fictional author who you know kind of stands in in that role right that is so interesting I remember learning about that and thinking that was just so fascinating that I mean who who can say that this was this is my work and maybe they stole it from someone maybe they or like um I don't know if you've read Yellow Face yet. Have you read Yellow Face? I haven't, but it's on my list. Right. I it's just like this girl who steals someone else's work or something and you're and no one where's the ethics of that. It's just fascinating. It was a fascinating book and this concept. So I love that that played into it. Um, and I definitely think that you got the feeling of that in there. I mean, I didn't think, I didn't think Shakespeare at all, obviously. Like you pulled the Shakespeare <laughs> yeah, out of it. He's, he's, very, <laughs> he's very different, Martha, in the author. That book is very different from Shakespeare in a lot of ways. He's actually right. kind of an amalgam of Dylan Thomas, who's a Welsh poet who kind of occupied right. this niche right. between like literary and commercial and people have like very divided feelings about his work. He was a very like troubled kind of interesting man. Um, right. And there's a bit of like Scott Fitzgerald in there, Percy Shelley in there, kind of all of these influences. Yes. 
Right. Definitely felt the vibes there. I mean, and so did, uh, this is a great time to talk about listener questions because there were (laughs) lots of listener questions that were like, were you inspired? Is this like, is this Fitzgerald? Is this, they were bringing up all these people that you were wondering if you were inspired by it. So let's talk about, let's get to some listener questions. Um, with, and I'm trying to decide, should we do all of the study and drowning questions first? Or do you want to do kind of like author? Some people are asking just basic writing questions. Um, let's do study and drowning questions. Let's first. do study those and drowning for me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Let's do those questions first. We're already talking about it. Let's jump in and see what your, what your fans want to know about it. Awesome. Let's do it. Okay. This one is, oh, someone asked what the inspiration was. So they were thinking along the same veins as me, what the inspiration was behind it. Um, okay. This person, this listener is so funny. They asked me all these questions with like four or five question marks. They are very, <laughs> very adamant. They want to know. Okay. The hopefully I can these. give a good answer. <laughs> okay. I love this. And I'm going to try to pronounce this correctly. You let, you let me know if I'm saying this right. So this person's asking, will we ever get to read the full book of Ankarad? Ankarad, yeah. Ankarad. Okay. Ankarad. Will we ever get the full book of Angharad? Is that something that you want to write? (laughs) Yeah. It's so funny. So many people have asked that um, and have asked like, oh, did you like write the whole book? Like, I'm like, no. Literally I actually feel like I really, I tried to restrain myself. Actually, I didn't really write much more than the snippets that you do get within the book because another big inspiration for studying drowning actually is the book Possession by A.S. Byatt, which is another kind of, Mm literary mystery academic rivals to lovers it's such an amazing book um but she kind of infamously has like over like a hundred lines of like her own original poetry in it and like it's just pages and pages of like and it's amazing Uh, but I was like I don't think that YA audiences really are like gonna have the patience to want to read like pages and pages of this like fake book um fake book. So it's, it's, surpri- it's actually really surprised me how many people are are interested in that because I didn't I was like kind of I was holding myself back when I was adding these like little snippets um I did actually write some of it as bonus content for the Alcrate edition of Study and Drowning so there is wow. some of that in there some if anyone that. has that edition um wow. Oh man, I should have gotten that. I should have gotten the owl crate. Now I'm kicking myself. I just wanted this. Scan it and put it online. Don't worry. (laughs) You're like, okay, for for the rest of you that want that, it'll be online. Someone will scan it and put it online at some point, like people always do. Okay. If I have your permission, I might go see if someone scanned it. (laughs) They probably have. I saw someone trying to sell the pre order incentives on like eBay. I was like, oh my God. You're like, guys, guys, come on. It's it's really. not that serious. <laughs> it's not that serious. Everyone, calm down. Like, Clearly, everyone is super excited about this book. <laughs> They're like, "I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make so much money here." Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, so you've written, you wrote a bunch of, or like a few chapters that you put in Owl Crate. I'm so excited to try to get my hands on that now. <laughs> I'm so excited to try to read that. Um, do you think that you will ever write it? This person once again, more question marks with five. Will you please write it? <laughs> Can we please read it asap? <laughs> All of the questions. I'm like, I love this listener. That is so funny. It would be interesting to try and write it, I think, because so the basic plot is very much just a fairy ballad, which is essentially a 
kind of literary tradition from the British Isles and it tell they the most famous one is Scarborough Fair, you know, the mm-hmm, Simon yep. Garfunkel song. Um, so that's actually like a musical version of a fairy ballad, which is basically this kind of story about a tricky, you know, fairy elf man who kind of mm-hmm. beguiles a human woman and like you know, makes her fall in love with him and then, you know, turns on her and she has to escape kind of through her own while. So it it is quite literally just a fairy just ballad. That. Um, that's what Angharad is. Um, right. So it just, it follows that narrative very closely. You know, when I was writing, you know, it's a secondary world and it's a book about literature in a secondary world. So I had to create an entire literary canon like right which was really fun um but yeah, I was that's deep like, look at you that's kind amazing. of deciding like what traditions I wanted to draw on and like I kind of settled on these like fairy ballads would be a very important right. part of and then kind of like chivalric romances which you see a little bit of like uh Black Mars poem is basically a chivalric yes. like medieval romance um yes so yeah I don't know it would be weird to try and write it because in my head it's just like this very like kind of contained story um but it right, would be, yeah. be fun I don't think my publisher would go for it but who knows <laughs> who knows I mean clearly there's a someone we want to get our hands on it somehow there's a, <laughs> there's a market for it so just keep that in your back pocket and just, just throw it at your publisher or something <laughs> everyone wants this so. maybe like a novella like Margaret Rogerson published her little like yes. novella that would yes be Exactly. Or like, um, I loved uh, Holly Black's The King of well, How the King King of Elfheim oh, yeah. Hated Stories or something. Yeah. Just that little novella, just a little bit. I mean, just, just think about it. Just think about yeah. it. I'm not telling something, you what to do, but that, about. something like that would be really cool. And this person really wants it. Like I said, <laughs> million question marks. So, so awesome. Okay. Another listener question is, was Effie's last name inspired by Zelda? Is it Sayre? Sayre, yeah, it was. Um, Who is that? Who is Zelda Sayre? So Zelda Sayre was the wife of F. Scott Fitzgerald, author of obviously The Great Gatsby. Um, And they had a very tumultuous, I'll say, marriage and relationship um, and without getting into I could go into so much detail about this um but essentially she was a woman with like a serious mental illness and this was like a very abusive relationship and he ended up um locking her in a mental asylum where she burned to death oh my Um, goodness and this was after you know kind of years of he would like read her diary and like take bits from her diary and like publish it he and like Hemingway and like his other friends would sit around like reading her diary and like they talked about just publishing the diary under their name like it's and the line the I hope I hope she's a fool that's the best thing in the world a girl can be a beautiful little fool you know that famous famous line from a great Gatsby was something Zelda said and he just put it in the book and now everybody thinks he wrote it and Oh that my just gosh. made me so like uh, I it was just so outrageous to me that whole that the story of her life and that yes. tragedy um and yeah. that's not even you know scratching the surface of these of these kinds of stories I mean the whole right 
so many of these like you know prodigal male geniuses you know owe Mm -hmm. so much to the women in their lives who they like horribly abused you know dylan thomas was horribly abusive to his wife as well like obviously famously percy shelley was very (laughs) i have so much hatred for him um (laughs) Yeah. yeah so it's like this kind of just narrative and this thing we see over and over again of like women being sacrificed on the altar of male genius i mean that's obviously mm-hmm. one of the most you know prevalent themes in the book and so right yes that is yeah no see that, that is, is a direct reference to zelda yeah for sure and this is i mean i did not i did not know that story and it makes me mad that i didn't know it it makes me mad that i didn't know it like <laughs> that is like Oh, just that whole theme. I mean, I definitely picked up on that theme in your book. That was one of those, one of those things that I read that I'm still thinking about that I'm like, I cannot, that is just so wow. And what does that mean? What does that mean for me? Cause I, I mean, I, I say this all the time. I internalize books a lot. <laughs> I'll read it and I'm like, what can I learn from this? How can I apply this? How can I? And oftentimes that makes me be like, am I the main character? And <laughs> I'm just like a total weirdo with it. But with your book, with these themes, I'm like, how does this, do I see this in my life? How can I stand up for myself, for others? And it was really quite inspiring in, you know, this, this that moody, the gothic way that made it even more like, Oh, I don't even, I don't know how to describe it. I'm clearly not an author. Can you tell that I can't come up with the right words? It was just so poignant. Like it was just so there. I, I mean, you sometimes so the eloquent. best books just leave us speechless. I don't know. Sometimes yeah. I'm very inarticulate I'm when I try and talk about things that I love too. Like, yes, exactly. And that's why I'm like, I'm like, love it. The <laughs> end. Like that's all I can come, all I can come up with. All I'm saying is, is I love the deep themes that made me think and that I will continue to think about with your book. So I just loved it. And there was another question that someone wanted to ask is, um, sorry, just some more a study in drowning questions. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming once again, this is the same thing. This person was wondering the Zelda that you thanked at the end of a study in drowning is Zelda Fitzgerald. Yeah. That's her. Yeah, it is because I, it would feel very weird to have written this book and then do the exact same thing to, her right. by not mentioning her as being, you know, an inspiration. The inspiration. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That is, yeah, that is just deep stuff. I love that you did that. You're like, I am not going to make the same dumb mistakes that those <laughs> men in your life did. So, mm-mm. man, that gets me fired up. Okay. This is a question just specifically about the characters in the book. And I'm trying to, I'll try to phrase it. You'll probably understand it better than I did because mm-hmm. I read your book so quickly um, that I must have missed this. I must have missed this question. So, but when you answer it, maybe it'll come to me. It <laughs> said, "Why could Preston bear the bells and not Effie? Was he a wanting man?" Yeah. So that's kind of talk us through that. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, Effie gets told this story when she first gets to the bottom. Hundred Yondo is the one who tells her that you know, the Bay of Nine Bells is called that because there were nine drowned churches that were, you know, swallowed and, and right. you know, sunken during the drowning. Um, and so the whole time she and she and Ianto says, oh, well, it's said that on some days, you know, you can still hear the bells ringing from underneath 
the sea. And this becomes like very poignant to Effie because she it's this is like part of her belief that like magic is real and she keeps wanting to hear the bells throughout the book. Um, right. She doesn't ever end up hearing them while she's while she's there. And then the very last I get so many questions about this last paragraph which makes me very happy the very last paragraph is when they're back at their university Preston they're just talking and Preston is like it's so weird when I was there I kept like hearing these bells did you ever hear them too um and so it's kind of like and of course he's been this like skeptic and this like non-believer the entire time and he doesn't know the story about the bells he's just been kind of hearing this um and so people have lots of different kind of interpretations of that and like what it means and whether magic is real and to me um so that story about the the drowned churches is inspired by a real um welsh and also breton myth about the city of east ys um which is a similar story about a city that you know sinks underground and it's said that whoever the the city will rise again one day and whoever hears the bells first and sees the spire of the church will be its king um so in that sense like (laughs) Preston you know he becomes the king of this magical city and this magical city kind of represents Effie's like imaginary world so he's kind of taking the place of the role that the fairy king kind of played in her life as her like part of this imaginary role um world he's taking the place of that and he's you know the true kind of king in her story what I love that. Are you kidding me? That is, I love that. I love that so, oh, I love that so much. That is so cool. Okay. So wow. that, that is the lore. Wow. Um, that's the, that's the answer that. to the question everyone wants to know about the bells. Um, that's what they all want to know. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so many that questions about that. Right. Oh my goodness. I'm going to just like tell people, be like, guess what? I know the answer to the bells <laughs> question. <laughs> no, just kidding. Cause we're going to share this obviously, but we'll share it with everyone. I guess that is so cool. Oh, I love this book so much because I feel like it also has just as a reader, my my perspective is that it has a fantastic aftertaste. And I don't know if that sounds weird. No, I say I, I like <laughs> right. I mean, like I call books. I'll be like, that's my bookworm flavor. Like I just mm-hmm. eat that up. I'm like that is. I, I almost refer to it as food. So I guess that's why I say aftertaste. Yeah, but that makes sense it, to me. Right. It's just that it gave me similar, and it was the same thing with Hannah Witten books. When I read her books, I read it, and I'm just like, wow. And then the aftertaste, the longer it just kind of like simmers in my mind simmers you see it's like food mm-hmm. what is the going on <laughs> it's it just keeps getting better and I'm like that is just incredible and that's what I love about this book too is that you've got this this aftertaste I need to come up with something better you you as an amazing author you have to like let me know if you can think of something that's better it just yeah I'll think about it <laughs> so good think about it and let me know what you think but Okay, we got a couple more listener questions that are okay. just writing specific not as fun as this morning, <laughs> but we will do them Okay. Um, this listener is asking if you have any tips for new writers that are ready to query. Do you have any thoughts on that? I know your your perspective or your experience is a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, it was also such a long time ago that I actually did query for the first time that like the industry right. has changed quite a bit since then. So I'm not sure. really <laughs> sure. Equipped. Equipped, yeah, like there are definitely people who are better equipped than me to answer this question in a more like, you know, helpful, prescriptive way. But I'll just say that like 
your relationship with your agent is your most important professional relationship of your entire career. So don't just like settle for someone who Mm -hmm. you think will sell your book because this person is supposed to be your advocate. They are your champion. You know, they are like (laughs) the bastion that you put between yourself and all of like the bad things in publishing. Like, you know, they are so incredibly important and you should take that relationship very seriously and my agent has been so so amazing and I know 100% my career would not be where it is without her um so I would say just (laughs) don't don't settle um don't settle make sure you do your research because this is like an old adage I don't know if people say this anymore but no agent is better than a bad agent um Mm, that makes sense that's like That's good to know. I mean, even just don't settle. I feel like that's a great life lesson. Just in lesson. general, yeah. Don't just settle. For, for writers and for all of us. <laughs> I love it. That is the Ava wisdom. All right. Okay. Um, what – oh, this is a great question. I love this question. What changed from writing adult to writing YA? And I love asking some authors this question, people that kind of straddle the – they're like, I do both. Mm-hmm. Um, what has that been like? Are you going to stick with YA? Are you like, I could write both and I would probably still write both. What was that experience like? Yeah. I mean, coming off of Juniper and Thorn, which is, you know, it's an adult horror novel. Um, that was yeah. the book where I was like, you know, it's no holds barred. Um, I can yeah. write, <laughs> I no can go as, as far as I want. I can write because that's what horror is. <laughs> like that's what the genre yeah. is. Um, yeah. And then, you know, writing, going from that to study and drowning, which is obviously, you know, a book for teenagers, you know, you're never going to be able to get away with going that far, but also it's not (laughs) that kind of, you know, you wouldn't want to because the people who are reading your books are young and not to say that like young people are, you know, (laughs) they have delicate sensibilities, but I think that- I, I get what you mean you know, it wasn't that long ago that I was a teenager. So I remember those feelings and being in that kind of vulnerable place in life. And, you know, there's a reason why we have a separate genre for teenagers. And if you're not thinking about teenagers as being your primary audience, then I would say like, why are you writing YA? Um, (laughs) So I was just, I was, I was thinking about that very much as like, you know, why, why is this a YA novel, you know, as opposed to adult? And I was yeah. looking back at my own feelings about being Effie's age, being 18. Um, and yeah. that's not something that I had to do with my adult novels, obviously, because, you know, those characters yeah. are in their 20s like I am. Um, but yeah, so that looking back and like, that was, that was new to me. Um, right. For sure. Yeah. You were just keeping your audience in mind. You're like, this is different. This is different. And you wanted to write something that you're like, Kate, this is what would fit for them because then you kind of had these, what, I don't want to call it limitations because that's not it. It's, it's, you just had a different audience and you wrote to that audience. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. And I think that, you know, like when, when we were talking at the beginning, we were talking about books that inspired you, books that you read when you were a kid or books that you read when you were in high school, college, all these things that you read even just when you're younger they have such an influence on you right they yeah. become and it sounds cliche <laughs> but they become part of your personality no, I'm like I okay mean, a study and right? drowning is literally a book about how books like 
is your personality. Your personality. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Oh, that is so true. That's a good point. It's literally a book about this it's girl who's like <laughs> about how important books are, especially to like young people. Um, right. So of course, especially you know, I'm thinking yeah. about that, and I'm thinking about exactly. wanting to. You know, Effie is a reader, and there's an argument to be made that On Hard is actually a YA book because it's about a teenage girl. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah, that was just something that I very much had in mind. For sure. And I love that. I love that you have that awareness that you're like, hey, this is going to be things that people are reading that it could become their personality. Like, <laughs> just that awareness is so, is so great. I love that. Okay. Um, oh, and I love this. We just got one last listener question and then um, I'll turn it over to you, but whatever you want to say. But I really, this is, a, I love this question. Um, I kind of like to ask this to all authors because it's just such a fun question. But if you would write something other than dark academia or gothic, um, what book genre or subgenre would you love to write one day? If it had to be something so, else, very curious. Coming full circle to the beginning of our conversation, actually, my next YA book will be a genre that I've never written in before. It <gasps> is a dystopian novel. Um, really? Yeah, 2010s era nostalgia, <gasps> Hunger Games Renaissance style dystopia. Yeah. No way! <laughs> that is amazing. Renaissance dystopian novel. Are you? Yeah, wow. Hunger Games Renaissance dystopian novel. Yeah, we're all. That yeah, is all amazing. Twenty tens YA nostalgia vibes. Right. Oh, that is incredible. Well, that was my my last question actually <laughs> that I realized that I forgot to ask is what do you have in the works and what can you share with us? So. Can you give us anything else on that? Or is there a book you know after that? Just tell us any <laughs> yeah. little crumbs, anything so you can tell us. my next book out is Lady Macbeth, which is my next adult novel. It's kind of what it says on the tin. It's a reimagining of Macbeth from Lady Macbeth's point of view. Um, it's another so kind cool. of gothic historical fantasy tale. Um, I'm really excited. I'm getting bound manuscripts for that soon. I just found out this oh. Oh my I'm very gosh! Excited for that. That is out next yeah. August, August 2024, and then, that is so exciting! Wow. Yeah. Okay, so Lady Macbeth, and then that YA one is coming and then, after that. Yes, my next YA, which doesn't have a title because I'm horrible at titles, like iconically <laughs> bad at titles. My agent has titled all of my books. Um, <laughs> another reason why agents are so important: A Study in Drowning would have had a much worse title if it wasn't for her. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I love that you get that, the credit. <laughs> yeah, that book is coming in tw- early 2025, I believe. Um, and wow. I'm just pitching it as like the sapphic Hunger Games retelling. Um, <laughs> like, I don't have a yes. good pitch for it yet, but it's like if you ever read the Hunger Games and you're like, this would have been better if Katniss was like gay and in an enemies to lovers relationship <laughs> with one of the career tributes, then. This is the book for you. You wrote fit. It's your fan fiction. <laughs> it is, I knew it. it. Your Hunger Games fan fiction it's is coming. coming. Yeah. I knew it. It's coming. <laughs> I'm like, if you ever write this, you're like, guess what? I am writing. <laughs> I am writing. <laughs> and for that some reason, insane. Harper is letting me. Um. <laughs> for some reason, well, probably because you're really good at it. You've been doing it a long time. Clearly. <laughs> true. Going back to my roots. Going back to your roots, where it all started. That is beautiful. I'm so excited about it. Okay, awesome. Thank you for sharing that with us. I know that with the publishing world, there's not much you can really say, but anything you can say, I'm like, tell us. We love it. 
Um, okay. Those are all the questions I have. Um, I just want to ask you, um, is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners before we wrap up today? Um, the floor is yours. Yep. Whatever you want to share. Just thank you for having me on. I hope you guys check out A Study in Drowning. Um, I think it's really good. But <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> if you like dark academia, rivals to lovers, gothic vibes, sinister fairy kings, then I think you'll probably like A Study in Drowning. I love it. I love it. Chef's kiss. Mm, so good. Because <laughs> I love all those things. So good. I love it. <laughs> So for our listeners, this is Ava Reed, her latest book, A Study in Drowning, which she just told you about, and I also highly recommend. So, so good. Um, So definitely go check that out and stick around. We will have more author spotlights on the way. That's a wrap for this episode of Story Hooked. Remember, every story holds the potential to change your life. Keep exploring and always, always read for joy.